Hello, everybody, and welcome to Steel Blade Showtime. I am the host, Brandon, and my co-host here, Derek. Derek, you want to introduce yourself? Howdy, I'm Derek. Co-host uh, extraordinaire. Today, the very first episode, uh, it's just going to be a little introduction of ourselves, how we got into the game of Flesh and Blood, um, how long we've been playing, our heroes, etc. As you can probably guess from the name, one of us means Bravo, one of us means Dory. You'll have to stick around to find out who. All right, Derek, uh, you want to talk a little bit about yourself, how you got into Flesh and Blood, how long you've been playing, who you started on, and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have one of the, the weirder intros to it, I guess. Uh, I jumped in right around, well, I started researching right when Monarch First Edition came out. Uh one of my friends runs a uh, one of my local game stores, and he was telling me about this this weird card game that he you know he had the order the opportunity to order, and then he was looking online for like how much to sell it for because he couldn't see a, an MSRP, and he saw the boxes of of Monarch First Edition were going for four hundred dollars a piece, and I I just sat sat there and thought to myself, do, do you mean cases? Cases for four hundred. Yeah, $400 a piece, like, wow. That's how much I think you can get a first ed case for now. Yeah. Yeah, that's about how much they go for now. Uh, but then I started looking, what could possibly have, like, a reason for, like, are, are the boxes, like, 800 cards? But no, I, I did my research, learned about cold foils, the, the resale value on those, the limited print runs of... Uh, of those first edition sets, which, you know, by now are gone. Uh, and I decided to start learning how to play. Uh, I officially jumped in at Monarch Unlimited because for a game I didn't know that I was going to be into, I wasn't about to drop $400. So I jumped in uh, after seeing Data Doll was actually the one that hooked me on the, the thought, I love robots. Uh, I love that steampunk aesthetic, and then I built Data Doll, <laughs> and I had absolutely no idea what it was doing. That was the the first hero I technically built. Uh, I did not win a single game on that deck. Uh, now I've got a pretty okay-ish Data Doll deck, uh, but that was that was my jump in. I, I'm not the type to really care about losing or winning. I, I like the ride there. So I didn't have my hopes and dreams squashed by Data Doll's <laughs> three intellect. Yeah, Data Doll, that's definitely an interesting pick for your first hero. Yeah, uh, I, I chose purely on aesthetics, didn't really understand what I was doing. So after that, I started bouncing around to different heroes. Uh, I tried Vis, also didn't uh, understand how to build that properly. Absolutely misread his hero power, was playing it wrong at the kitchen table for a hot minute until I took it out to uh, to my armory events and had someone explain it to me. Retired that deck until I could get better pieces. Um, and then jumped onto Oldham, tried to go aggro out of just one box of Aria, 
and then actually started finding my footing running Kano. Uh, so Kano was who I mained for a long time. Uh, probably like a week into Arya's release, and then I stopped running him as soon as Uprising hit because Oasis Respite just crushed all my hopes and dreams. So how did you find Kano? Were you doing research? Did you see someone playing them? How did you find Kano? So I was jumping around on uh, one of the discords that has uh, channels for every hero, and I was just popping in, seeing what people were talking about, trying to figure out, like, maybe someone could give me an inside hint on a play style I would like. And I stumbled across uh, the Kano channel at the time, was doing what would Kano do? Puzzles. Uh, they would present a board state. Uh, typically, part of the answer would be your opponent's presenting lethal. In this board state, you have the ability to win. What order do you uh, set everything off in order to get the most efficient win? Uh, and I really loved that sort of looking at the game like a puzzle. Uh, you know, I. I came from magic the gathering uh so i understood the stack which you know at the time i was jumping into kano was called the chain uh but it functioned exactly like the stack and was renamed the stack so i already had a little bit of a leg up on trying to learn how to weasel your way into the good priority moments uh and really make your opponent feel like you're cheating because wizards play a completely different game of flesh and blood I definitely feel cheated whenever I play a wizard in Kano or Icelander because it's like, here's lethal, and then you end up dying instead. <laughs> yeah. You never count them out. Like so many other heroes, you can be like, all right, I can have lethal if I survive to next turn. But Kano doesn't need that. It's like it's... once you're within like 20 health... You're only halfway down in a CC match, but you're already in lethal range for Kano, and it's terrifying. It really is. Like, especially with the... Uh, yeah, we'll go into more details of this later, but the new Brainstorm builds that have been popping around. Um, I, don't, I still haven't even had to deal with that, and I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, if it's well set up, uh, lethal range is probably around 30 30 HP, they can pop off and win. Now, the, the difference is they have to do it on their own turn to have the most efficient win and hit you at 30. But, still possible. So after o Oasis Respite uh, crushed my hopes in Kano Dreams, uh, I started looking around for what other heroes might have like that interaction, that like play during my opponent's turn kind of thing, instead of just sitting and, in my eyes, coming from Kano, being passive. Uh, and then I remembered the uh, the Farewell to Wrath event that I had gone to, where both of the drafts that we did, uh, I ended up drafting Dorinthia. And I, I remembered that, went through, grabbed all those cards, put it together, and I have been having so much fun with Dorinthia, uh, making... Uh, I've been calling them cookies on my on my Dawn Blade. If I hit you twice, I've needed the bread. I've made the cookies, uh, and so I've 
jumped around to some of my my locals with a a bag of little mini cookies to put on top of my Dawn Blade whenever I get a counter. Because uh, if you're not having fun, why are you there? Definitely. I remember seeing those cookies and I was like, Chips Ahoy. I'm like, oh, they could be also like chip counters because this was kind of like chip damage. It's coming in over the top. Exactly. And there's always the discussion of, uh, I, I realized I should probably stop bringing Chips Ahoy because one of my opponents looked at that chip and said, wait, you only have one counter. Why are there three chocolate chips on there? <laughs> So now I think I'm going to be bringing mini Oreos or something. So in total, you've been playing around a year, year and a half-ish? Shoot, when did Monarch Unlimited release? I'm about to Google that right now. It feels like it's been like two, maybe two and a half years. Wow. That's actually that's a pretty good time playing. You're actually, and I do have one thing to thank is Derek here is the reason I started going to armories in the first place. <clears throat> so I see here. So I know we I played him again uh, on Kano once. I was playing my main, who we'll get into here, and I basically it was a good game, and I was terrified the whole time. But I was able to pull it out because I think it was my first turn. I literally had threatened almost half his health. And so it was savage. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, to correct myself, it, it is year and a half. Okay, uh, so. I apparently have a very bad sense of time. <laughs> but um, and then we also play very first armor we played in, he was on Phi, I was on main, who, I like, this was my very first armory, and it was a very close game until I drew 3D, I think it was 3D reacts in the same hand, and 3D reacts against Phi ain't gonna help. No, no, that's just kind of a death sentence, unfortunately. <laughs> and then, last time we played, he was on story i was actually on old him and we were about halfway through time and i think we were both still sitting at 30 health yeah it was one of the grindiest matches i had ever been it's no it's always it was a fun one though a lot of thinking was involved okay you want to uh old him ice react old him ice react um also, one thing me and Derek like to do is free play Friday at our locals. We play until a little bit before Friday Night Magic starts. Uh, we try to get UPF in. Unfortunately, it's only been me and him the last couple times. But the time of the day that we play is also kind of understandable because it might be harder for people to make it because of work. Um, I have Genus built for that, and he has York. You want to talk about York a little bit? <laughs> So Yorick uh, was, I, I always love anything remotely chaotic, anything that I can throw a wrench in somebody else's plans in the weirdest way possible. Uh, and so when they first revealed that as the, uh, the New Jersey promo, I dropped 
like every plan I had, I started saving up so I could make that trip out there uh, just to get that promo. Uh, because I wanted to make my rainbow colored stack of everybody's decks. Because being able to just start the game and say, I know you had a plan in mind, but we're shuffling our decks together. You know, th- this is why he's banned officially. Yeah, because you don't want, but, if you're playing it like in something, it gets kind of risky when you're shuffling all strangers' decks together, especially if there's a chance someone has two of the. Two people have the same sleeves. Right. And, like, I've seen a fair amount of people in UPF matches I've played around at other places. Uh, they'll have Heart of Findle in there or some other, like, fabled that they don't really want shuffled in with a bunch of strangers. Uh, so it was the right call on uh, LSS's side to ban him from official tournaments. And like official sanctioned UPF events, leave them for kitchen table because it's it's where an effect like that belongs. Doing yeah. things with your friends, but I, I loved the deck building side of him because you don't have to make a coherent strategy. No, you can just put garbage in there, and other people have to deal with garbage. See, I like your build on it though because some people just go could just go forty straight crack bobbles, but you actually put different stuff there's no i don't think there's a single cracked bobble in your deck barring i feel like there might be shitty xmas gifts going in there but i've been so torn about including that because in yorick that just reads would you like to brick your own hand do you want to do you want to hand yourself a cracked bobble because you're going to play it put it on top of your opponent's deck who you share and then you're going to draw at the end of your turn. <laughs> but there's no guarantee you're going to get it. You could give it to someone else, and they're going to be like, hmm. It's just going to read as a, a cracked bobble that can block this time around. <laughs> pitch for yellow, block two. Let's go. Better than pitch for yellow, block none. Definitely. Uh, anything else you want to throw in there, Derek? I mean, part of what what Brandon was saying about the uh, the the build that I have set up for him. The other thing I like is themed builds. Uh, so I figure he's a bard. I'll toss in as many things as I can include that can like make that political play affect other heroes. So things like realizing reinforce the line. It's not your def- your defending card. It's target defending card gets plus four. Same thing with Oasis Respite. You can, in UPF, defend for other players. So you can say, yeah, you, you know, you just give up one card. I'll drop this for you. Because uh, if you're playing a big game, you got to have some politics involved, or oh, else definitely. people are just going to hyper-focus down one player, move to the next, hyper-focus down one player, and then you're back down to a 1v1. Mm-hmm. Like, the one time we actually got to play it in our free play Friday, you had proxied Emperor, and I was playing Genus, so I was like, I'll let you live, you let me live, you draw, <laughs> I get silver. It was perfect. Because Emperor is automatically below Genus. And then, 
there was oh yeah we played it was just a 1v1 on with genus and yeah. your we both started with almost like four hands of promise of plenties yeah because <laughs> we both thought wow what a what a super fun card that you can maybe chain your way through your like a, a big chunk of your deck if they all line up on the on the bottom there and your opponent's like i'm not gonna block one damage that's a waste yeah. of a card Flip top card of your deck into your arsenal. Wow, look at that. Promise of plenty. Let's go. <laughs> oh. I had a train of thought because I wanted to ask you something or say something, and it just lo- left my mind. I just well, hate we, when that happens. We got on the tangent, but we still still haven't gotten to your main. So, I guess a little about me. Um... The way I got into the game is I was seeing it on Facebook, actually. And I was like, you know, this game looks really interesting. I came from Yu-Gi-Oh! That game is probably one of the, has the most toxic players out there, I would say. Um, and just the fact that sets were dropping at least once a month. And there'd be cards in there that were staples for every deck that you would have to drop hundreds of dollars on. And it was just ridiculous to me. And it was getting out of my price range because I was like, you know what? I can't be dropping this kind of money. And like decks, you could, I think one, like you go through like a deck a couple times a year. Whereas when I first got into it, I played True Draco and I held that deck for almost a year until I picked up Thunder Dragon and then they got banned like right afterwards. So I walked into the local game store and I was like, hey, how do you play this game? And the guy working there was like, oh, I'll tell you. And he's told us all about it, how he's, it was like an RPG where you're just fighting your friends. And I, it sounded interesting. So I picked up – I actually asked him. I said, you know, I'm not sure who to play. You know, he, I was like, I'm coming from Yu-Gi-Oh. He's like, all right, well, who'd you play in Yu-Gi-Oh? And I was like, I played True Draco. I like Control. He's like, you should try Old Him. So I picked up the Old Him Blitz deck, Precon. My buddy was there with me, and he was like, you know, well, I liked comboing a little bit. And he was like, all right, well, try Lexi. So I took old him. He took Lexi. We drove to local gas station, and we learned to play. And our first game, I think, took two hours because learning everything, looking up, asking questions on, you know, well, how does this work? But we were hooked from that point. So we started calling it the guy's night. So we next time I went back, I picked up, I think, one or two boxes of Aria Unlimited. I don't remember how many. Excuse me. And um, we cracked it, upgraded our decks. At this point, I had no idea Oak and Old and Endless Winter existed. So neither of us had our specializations. He was playing still with the basic bow for Lexi that came into Blitz Precon, but we were still playing it. I literally was just unbeatable on old him because he'd have this big turn set up. I'd be like, all right, old him ice react. And he'd be like, well, dang, I can't do my turn now. So the second time technically would be the third time we got together. I picked up one box of tails and one box of Wraith. And when we opened Wraith, I was looking through it and I saw Bravo and I was like, okay, so I, he seemed interesting to me. I was playing old him who was a guardian. Bravo was a guardian. I did some research online, built a Bravo deck out of what little I had. I think I had a showtime, but I didn't even know about Crippling Crush. So I played Bravo, and he beat me on Lexi because my <laughs> Bravo deck to start off wasn't that great. 
Um, next time I ended up picking up, I think, one more of Arya and one more of Wraith. I, we didn't get to the Wraith. I let my buddy take it, and I said, you know, you're going to go ahead and open it, you know, have some fun, just put the stuff in this box, and next time we get back together, you know, I'll take it. He said, okay. He built Katsu, got it back. We played, like, one more time, and then he kind of fell out because of life. And I was looking through the cards he put in there, and lo and behold, there was a tunic. And I was like, I literally froze because I was like, <laughs> wait a second. I've seen this card on the sell page, and it's a high-priced card. Yeah, I think yeah. At, the, at the time it was going for like 140 150 I think now they're they're getting close to 200 But that's def- That was a good pull out of just a random box. <clears throat> and so wild that like <laughs> your friend just eh, what what a what a pretty pretty tunic put it in the bulk pile <laughs> enjoy he that probably, he probably looked at it and was like three turns for one resource that's trash right because <clears throat> that, that was kind of what I thought when I first looked at uh my my first box that I bought uh was welcome to wrath. And in there, and then sitting there for like four months, uh, was a tectonic. I just sleeved it and went, "Yeah, that's pretty," but like that—that <laughs> that doesn't seem valuable to bank a resource. Like it—that feels like a waste to me. I could wear something like heart cross strap and just get two right now. <laughs> it's funny the things that we overlook at the time. Right. Probably should have like paid more attention going like, yeah, no, that's legendary for a reason. Like that's that's pretty high rarity, bud. Probably it's got some value. <laughs> <clears throat> so you know, he felt like I said, life got and I basically wasn't didn't have time to play. I had time to play, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So I went in the locals, you know, Discord and I was just like, you know, I wanted to start up playing and I was afraid to start something new one because I have anxiety meeting new people because that's just who I am. And two, I didn't know what the community was like at first. I was used to Yu-Gi-Oh where even if you were a new player, you know, it was kind of toxic to you. And cause I remember as a Yu-Gi-Oh player, I always felt bad personally when a little, like a younger kid would come into the shop and play because They'd be playing with their like half-built deck, and I would get paired up against them with my more powerful deck. So I would just try and like drag the game out longer, where they could do stuff, and it was a little more back and forth. While everyone else would just run right through them. Ten minutes, game's over. Yeah, yeah, that's so, always a, a problem with with new players. It's like that's it's so integral to the new player experience to make mm-hmm. sure they have an okay time at the very least. And so I was chatting it up in there and Derek was the, one of the main ones that was chatting back. And I was just like, you know, I'm, you know, you guys were just like, you know, we don't care. You're new. Come out and play. You know, we're all pretty chill. It's just an armory. Nobody really cares. We'll definitely have a lot. And it was a lot of fun because I think there ended up being like four or five new players in that one armory. Yeah, that that week there was a lot of y'all. I I don't I don't know about them like everybody else. I definitely had a lot of fun. I actually I think you were actually the only experienced player I played that armory, and the rest of us were new. 
But I, of course, I was playing Bravo because yep. uh, he was my boy. And since that, I've really upgraded my Bravo from what little cards I had to now I have my Crippling Crushes, my Imposing Visage, my Terra Sunders. He's definitely a lot more of a threat, and I actually got top eight in, I think, my third skirmish ever, which, you know, it's a skirmish, but I'm personally proud of because I feel like I'm already a lot better than I was when I first started. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think one of my favorite things about this game is it's relatively easy to see the moments that, like, a, a turn, a play falls apart or excels and start to try to replicate the successes or avoid the failures. You know, we, me and Brandon talk a lot about deck building and like what our strategies are for these heroes uh, and what works and what doesn't because it's, it's such an engaging game where, where you can get into so many different mindsets, but it's also easy to, to learn from. You know, one of my bigger events that I went to with Dorinthia I barely bubbled out of top eight. I ended up in ninth. Uh, but each of my each of my losses, I could point to one turn where I went, that's where I lost the game. I, I could have gotten into the next step. Now I know for next time. And that's that important mind step. But now I know for next time, as opposed to just like, oh, I lost, that sucks. Or getting angry about it. Because you can always learn from it. Yeah, definitely. And this game, I don't know, like, I have a hard time getting angry over losing with this game because so far everybody that I've played, during the match, it's also engaging. You know, we're laughing, we're chatting about, you know, what we like. Oh, that was a misplay. Oh, you know, we laugh about it because it's like, oh, I could have done this. Or, you know, at Armories, it's like, oh, no, go ahead, take it back. You know, especially at our Armory where you know, first place doesn't really mean anything other than points because they raffle off the good stuff, which I like because it's not the same person every week getting the best things. Right. It's really encouraging for new players because they our, our local doesn't just do, you know, CC every week. It is, you know, whatever the whatever the group votes on is what we're playing this week. So some weeks we'll we'll show up, do CC. Some weeks, you know, maybe people feel like a draft mood that day. You know, they're they're tired of grinding into Dramai's, uh, and they just want to draft and go against a weaker Dramai. <laughs> but like, we're always ready to switch to Blitz for if we have new players because a, a new player building a CC deck probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. Well, not right away, anyway. It's not. I feel like. You know, the more I've played, Blitz is easier to build, but I feel like CC is easier to learn on for the simple fact that you have more chances to come back from mistakes, whereas Blitz, one mistake literally just swings the game, and it's over at that point. Right. Like, my my buddy that I was trying to teach uh, with the Monarch Blitz decks, uh, we were just using them straight out the box. Uh, I played Chain, he played Livia, and he got so frustrated with that game because, I mean, for one, Chain is a runaway, runaway train. I, I always describe him to new players as uh, a car with the brakes that have been cut. 
Uh, you're going to run into something. Uh, hopefully it's the other guy and not a cliff. But... And also, just on Levia, um, the fact that... I don't know what the Blitz deck looks like. Terrible. But just the fact that you have to, like, consider everything and the fact that you can just kill yourself on that deck. Right. And the... <laughs> that precon has a fair amount of no blocks, which feels terrible as a new player. And yep. if you have a hand of no blocks in Blitz on Leviathan, <laughs> suddenly you're at three life like two turns in. And then you feel like it's an unwinnable board state. Yeah. Now, if that happens in CC, Instead of three life, yeah, you're at 23. That's bad with the exact same like board states, everything happening. But you have time to come back. Especially in Leviathan on those brood attacks. If, right now, especially with like beaten trackers where you can be like, oh, get an extra action point. Or if you're all good on scab skins, they might be at like 30 but or 33 and you're at like 27 or 23. But if you, like one good roll on scab skins can literally just swing that game around because all of a sudden you're presenting, you know, twenty damage in a turn against them, right? And like you have the time for that variance in CC, which is one of the things I like the most about it. So, I've been so I would say I've been playing for actually it's nine months in technicality, six months in. You know, going to armories and stuff. Um, funny thing is, while I still love Bravo and Derek still loves Dory, we're actually not playing them at this point in time. Who are you working on right now, Derek? So I got caught up into that new hype, uh, and I am trying to make Assassin work. Uh, Arachne has consumed most of my thoughts uh, ever since that, like viral style post of the emperor is dead reveal of regicide that blackout promo uh i lost my mind and was thinking about all the possibilities and and how to do it uh so right now i'm trying to make it work uh i'm not doing the worst uh a couple weeks back we had a, a 1k at my at my lgs got ninth on arachne um so like you know Almost made the cut. Uh, but, you know, I dodged most of my bad matchups, got absolutely rolled over by uh, by Dramai. It was like turn five. They had two Vincerakais, Dramai, Mirajai, Tomaltai. Uh, Everything it was, you don't want to see. Yeah, all the things that I can't deal with uh, right away piled out way too fast. But su such is uh, Arachne's terrible life. <laughs> for for now, like we don't know what's coming in the next set. We don't know what's coming down the road. You know, Arachne might be the next dash for all we know. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I think the hero's got a ton of potential, and we just got to find how to make it work the best. And that's that's what I love trying to figure out. Yeah, they're bad but how do we fix it one thing that probably doesn't help him is you know he gets released he gets you know i'm not saying all his cards are terrible he gets a lot of decent cards but 
you look at Pulse Wave Harpoon that Dash just acquired. You look at you know Kitty Cat Katsu that all of a sudden came up. Even Brute got a decent boost in this set. So while he's just coming out, everything around him is getting boosted up. Yep, that's one of the problems with like the releases of new heroes or new classes rather. They have to get absolute fire to compete with these. Uh, heroes with these huge existing card pools, you know, like yeah, we can we can look at all the generics, but a lot of them just can't touch anything. Like Arachne's card pool, it's really small. You don't have a lot of options. I think that's one of the things I like about the talent system. Uh, so that like, yeah, it's a new class, but look, they can they can get all these old cards. They're not class specific. But they can lean in. Imagine if we got like a Draconic Ninja, where like they could start the chain with Draconic stuffs, a couple maybe like a Phoenix Flame, and then at the end, after you've blocked some, okay, here's the contract. Right. Get that, drop that big eradicate turn right at the end. Mm-hmm. So, which are which are you on right now? Um, I've actually, I listened to a lot of the uh, Fresh and Buds podcast, and out listening to that for a while, I decided, you know, Leviah sounds pretty fun, so I decided to pick her up. Um, Tommy, the host, actually sent me his list for that. I based my list around that, and I've made some changes. I don't think I have too many other than I actually play Berserk, and I personally like the card in it. You know, I might only get one draw off of it, but that could also be the difference in a turn where I'm taking blood debt and I'm not taking blood debt. And also, I love playing risky. That's one of the problems I have. So I could be looking and being like, all right, I can roll scabs. If I roll a one, I'm dead this turn because of blood debt. But if I roll a six, I'm presenting a lot of damage. All right, let's roll. Always go for the roll. And by always, I mean probably should never but always <laughs> I, I always got to go for it especially you know I'm like I like taking chances you know because they were if you roll good you're getting rewarded big time on that one right it's huge like the the payoff is phenomenal just the floor is death <laughs> so <laughs> I mean you've played against my Leviathan on Talishar at least yeah. once I think yeah uh it is menacing. You know, I the only reason I was able to turn that around is I I had one turn where I threatened enough to get like one or two like blocks out of your hand and you died to blood debt. You, you, you <laughs> ate it you ate it twice. I think once for like eight and the the last one was what, like 13, 14 blood debt? I think the so I think the real so that was one of the major points where I couldn't come back. I think the big turning point where it shifted was where I rolled a one on scabs and took like 11 blood debt. And yeah. then you were able to just come at me with a full hand. And like being able to do something with the full hand on Arachne, you know, it's it's low potential value. But people feel that threat of like, especially if you can open up with an Eradicate, you got those cut to the chases, you got those shreds. Uh, reflexes if you're one of the people on them. I'm not, but... And especially if you banish something with Blood Death that I, you know, 
now all of a sudden I have one extra damage coming in on my turn as well as what you're presenting. Yeah, I, I think that Lia is one of Arachne's better uh, matchups, which is you know obviously the opposite of. Thankfully, outside of Blitz, doesn't have to go up against Chain because uh, that's just <laughs> going to be a menace. But I, I think that goes into a little bit of what we're hoping to do in the future is go through some of the the matches that could have been had Arachne been released in Arcane Rising like the original intention was uh, and go through some of those some of those matches with the card pools those heroes would have had at the time uh, using for the existing heroes like like Chain, like Lilia, uh some of the more prevalent and like tournament winning decks available and then working with that card pool as what you can pull out assuming all arachne cards would be viable and then generics that would have existed at the time uh but we'll be jumping through some some deck techs some weird look into what could have been just chatting about idiot stuff Mm. All right, uh, like Derek was saying, you know, eventually, I'm thinking probably after the holidays, uh, we're going to get a YouTube channel started up where we're going to run through decks that could have been. Um, I'm currently working on Chain. He has Arachne already mostly built, so that's going to be our first one. See, you know, what does a full-powered Chain minus the ban list? So I guess not really full-powered, but... We're keeping it simple to cards that were released when Chain went LL, so nothing newer. Uh, what would that do when going up against an Arachne? I think the answer is fairly obvious. I think he's going to get run over and just absolutely decimated, but I, I want to see it. I, I want to see, had I been excited about Arachne as much as I am now, as he was when he first dropped. Uh, how how dashed would my hopes and dreams be <laughs> of, of being an Arachne main? Yeah, you want to banish seven cards off the top with that Eradicate plus with an extra three on top? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'll just throw them back at you next turn. You're just adding to my hand size, technically. You're right. I think the only vague hope that he's going to have is like landing more... Uh, more banishes than Chain can make use of and hoping to to have him eat some blood debt, but I don't think that's really going to happen that much. It's definitely going to be interesting to see, and I'm honestly excited for it. Like I said, I think after the holidays, once everything settles down, is probably when we'll hop into that and when we have a little more time. Um, we got... Pro Quest season coming up in January, and there's, I believe, two qualifiers around us, if I'm correct. Sounds about right. I don't remember exactly where, but I know they're they're in distance. And I'm excited to go get uh, torn apart at those. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm definitely probably going to take Leviah at that point to him. As much as I love Bravo, I'm having a lot of fun on Leviah currently. I think that's one of my, my favorite things, like these these left field decks that people don't expect. They're not boarded for. Uh, 
that's that's how uh, Kano did so well in Jersey. Is people weren't bringing more than one arcane barrier uh, if they were bringing any at all. And so if you've got no answers for this uh, wildfire tornado combo that's coming out, you're just going to have your face melted. That is one big thing against with Leviathan that I feel is I run so many reds that if I run into either a rune blade or a wizard, I'm just going to get my face ate because I have nothing to stop the arcane damage. Right. It's just going to tear you in half. Uh, and you just gotta hope you can tear them in half first. It's it's the Leviathan way. Definitely. All right, Derek. Any uh, last minute thoughts you want to throw in here? Uh, not particularly. I'm super excited to to have started this. Uh, I'm really hoping to get that uh that following going. Uh, so give us a like, follow, subscribe wherever we'll be. Um, and be on the lookout for new content. Uh, like we said, we're going to be kicking the the heavyweight stuff out uh, post holidays because life is a scramble, and let's not try to convolute that more than we can. Uh, but I'm stoked to be here. All right, bye bye. Bye bye.